Welcome to Joe Picks and NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. In the final episode of tonight's quadruple header, we head to my adopted hometown, the place I am sitting right now, San Francisco, to talk about the 49ers. By the end of this podcast, the 49ers will either strike gold and make it into the Sweet 16 or find out the real estate prices are too damn high and go somewhere else. Jeff, hit it. Damn, we did it. I feel like I feel like people at the like last mile of a marathon, except we're sitting down and drinking. Well, Joe, this has been unbelievable. I mean, we're smashing our record. We've already got three in the books, and we've got one more to cover. And Joe, I feel at home. I'm back to my own research, but I'm a little worried about keeping it under the time with my own research. <laughs> because uh Dan, Dan, you you have to be as quick and as short as sean was no it's impossible all right but you know let's get started joe dan what are we drinking what are you drinking are you drinking the drink no i'm not drinking whatever beer you sent me that there's no way i can find in seattle because i'll tell you why dan because there is no team that has a more obvious drink choice than the 49ers what and that's why dan if you can see the tiny, beautiful gold flecks in the bottom of my glass. I went and special bought some gold schlager just for this podcast. <laughs> this is at, on the fourth leg of the quadruple header. Now you're pulling out the gold schlager. Joe, you're asking for trouble. Is there any team that has a more obvious drink and you didn't pick it? I picked a San Francisco drink, Joe. So did I, Dan. All right. Well, then it doesn't even matter what well, I'm what drinking. What are you drinking? Tell the... Tell the fans at home. Well, this is what I've been drinking for all four podcasts. I'm drinking Anchor Steam beer, which is great. So many people out there, when they hear Anchor Steam, they think, oh, yeah, what a classic beer that's obviously available everywhere, certainly on the West Coast. But in fact, Anchor and Steam are two separate things. Anchor is the brewing company and Steam is the name of the beer. And it's called Steam Beer because in the old days when they were fermenting the beer, They would put it on the San Francisco rooftops and to cool it down. And in the cold nights, the beer, as it was fermenting, steam would come off of it. So there'd be these houses with steam coming off, and they called it steam beer. So Anchor Steam is two different things. Incidentally, Anchor Brewing Company was just purchased by Sapporo Brewing Company uh, less than a month ago. So there it goes. But I've toured the Anchor Brewery. If you're coming to San Francisco, highly recommend it. Or maybe it should now be called the Sapporo Brewery. Dan, that's a super interesting history. And I think now every fan knows right now that this episode is not going to be a short episode. Well, they will already have seen how long it is. (laughs) All right, Joe, I have two emails. One from superfan Errol. He says, Joe, your smoky baritone voice leaves me wanting for an episode of this just you chattering stream of consciousness style Dan, the work you put into the pod really shows in the final product. You are the butter to Joe's sourdough bread. 
Fuck Rob for no appreciable reasons. Keep up the good works. And fuck the Falcons. Super fan, Saints man, who dat? Who dat? Love it, Arrow. All right. And new hot off the press, this email just came in from non, not yet super fan Rasmus. Hello. Just wanted to thank you both for a great podcast. Found the podcast a little late, so still not cut up to the latest episode. Just finished the Green Bay Packers episode. Oh, man, Joe. Wait, I, Dan, where are we going? I don't, I don't even want to do it. I don't think it's about the Packers, but... It's Packer Corner. Green Bay loves him some Joe. It's Packer Corner. Pandering the cheeseheads who write to the show. Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best. I missed it here in Packer Corner. Living in Sweden and starting to follow the NFL more... Clo- oh, my God, European fans. And started to follow the NFL more closely the last few years, but still have not found a team to support. Found a couple of teams I really don't like rather fast. Always seems easier to find those in any sport to follow for some reason. So decided to make an effort to try to find any team worth supporting before the start of this season. Started to look around the internet on things like who owns a team and what are the supporters like, but gave up after a while as I had no idea where to look and it took too much time. So I was really glad to find your podcast and find out that somebody else had done the work for me. Like all the different points you make, the only thing I can think I would like to know more is about the atmosphere at the different stadiums during the games. As a big soccer fan, and I think he means football, as a big soccer fan, I always prefer watching games in stadiums with a lot of noise. For example, singing or TIFO. What does that mean? I have no idea. Or TIFO. A good atmosphere can even make a dull, nil-nil game worth watching. Boy, not in the NFL, though. That would be, be really boring. Again, thank you for the great podcast. I'm looking forward to listening to all the episodes I have left. Rasmus. Love the European fans. We're huge in Europe. Yeah. Swedish soccer fan. The Swedish soccer league is called the the Altsvenskan. The Altsvenskan. Well, the tough thing, Rasmus, I would love to help him. But as I've said, I've been to zero NFL stadiums except for the Coliseum before it was an NFL stadium. So well, let's see. I, I couldn't been... tell you about that. I've been to Qualcomm Stadium to watch the Chargers. I've been to the CenturyLink field to watch the Seahawks. And I have been to Foxborough, but not during an NFL game. Uh, I think that's it. I think just those three. We know Kansas City has like the noise thing, and we know CenturyLink is loud too. CenturyLink is an incredible stadium and about a thousand times better than qualcomm yeah well that's a new super fan then right yeah do you bestow super fandom on him okay great yeah we don't have that sound clip yet jeff didn't do it and it's probably too late now to do it oh well joe let's get right into it number one wait dan 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 Dan. i'm still waiting for the results of our fan poll (laughs) oh that's right all right joe so long ago, we asked, which was worse, the Harry Kane scissor tackle or the John Joe Shelby shin stomp? The fans have spoken in the poll question, which had the fewest responses of any we've asked. 75% said the John Joe Shelby shin stomp was worse. Thank you. Thank you. Dan, did you watch him? What do you think? It's. I mean, it's not even close. Like The, the poll question is so dumb. Because you are just getting defensive as a Tottenham homer, but like 
the the Harry Kane tackle was it wasn't good, but it's he had he it was just a bad tackle. He wasn't trying to hurt right. the guy. The shin stomp is like obviously he was uh, yeah. I, I mean it's the ref's looking right at it. It's like sometimes when the ref gives a red card, you can tell the the guy's like he's not sure if he should give it or not. But the, he he <laughs> right. just looks at it and he has a look on his face like. Did you just I'm, do that in I'm, front of me, you fucking yeah, idiot? Yeah, he's like, I'm looking right at you. Like, it's an <laughs> obvious red card, you know. It's like, You know, I like, if I were a soccer ref or even a football ref, I mean, the thing in the football is, like, holding goes on every play. And so sometimes they throw the flag and they're like, so they, like, throw it really hard. And they're like, oh, I'm definitely spotting that. And sometimes, you know, in the pass interference, like, the guy will catch it. And then the ref will, you know, like, think for one or two seconds and then throw the flag. And you always feel like that second flag is more of a bullshit flag, like he thought too much about it. He didn't see it. In that case, the ref just saw it. He looks at it, and it's just like, he's like shaking his head. It's just like, you can't do that on the field. Yeah, you know, refs don't refs don't scoff enough. Like, he should have, like, like shouldn't refs kind of, like, laugh more? Like, oh, my God, are you fucking kidding me? Well, the ref did. I mean, in that video, the ref, like, looks at it, and it's just like, I, I felt like there was a little scoff. Because he's so happy he just saw this happen and this play. Because, right. you know, I was watching the uh, a USA qualifying game, and my main man, Josie Altidore, one of the defenders bit him. And Josie Altidore, <laughs> like, fell to the ground and was like, it was on a corner kick, and he was like, he bit me. And the ref's just like, well, I didn't see it. And then they show the replay, and it's just, like, clear as day. The guy just leans over and bites right. Josie Altidore, which... Uh, you know, Josie Alter, like, I don't know what reaction he can do. I get he should have like pulled up his sleeves and shown like a bite mark. But, you know, the ref didn't see it. And it's just like I I'm sure stuff like that happens on the pitch all the time and people don't even notice. Yeah, I mean if the ref doesn't see it, it's not a foul, right? Yeah, which is a shame. But anyways, that stupid poll question is done. The the poll question we have for the this week is good and you know, some of you have probably already voted on it because this is happening. In the past. Anyways, whatever. Number one. Don't want a team that's too good or too bad. Joe, the San Francisco 49ers have Super Bowl odds of a nice, round, even 100 to 1. They've got a shot, Joe. They've won the Super Bowl five times. They won in 1981 when they defeated Superfan Tony's Bengals. They won in 1984 when they defeated the Dolphins. They won in 1988 when they again defeated Super Fantoni's Bengals. They won the next year, 1989, defeating the Broncos. Fuck you, John Elway. And Joe, I'm sure you remember it very vividly. In 1994, they defeated your San Diego Chargers, or rather your former San Diego Chargers. I do you, know. Do you, do you remember the final score of the game? It was 49-7, to seven, wasn't it? 49-26. to 26. Chargers 26. put up a little. Uh, the game was never really in doubt. But uh, yeah. the the Chargers put up a little fight. I remember they stupid scored forty nine, which was annoying. Yes, they scored forty nine. And fast forward to four years ago, the 49ers were in the Super Bowl once again and lost the the famous blackout bowl to the Ravens in a squeaker. They really had a chance to win, but the unhirable quarterback Colin Kaepernick couldn't get it done at, with first and goal. Their over under this year is four and a half. But, Joe, in the past 10 years, what do you think? Win percentage, playoff wins, and made the playoffs. Just give me all three in one. Let's, let's speed it up here. 
I'm already Let's falling say middle, behind. middle, middle. Middle, middle, middle is what I'm going to All right, guess. Joe. You would be wrong, but close. Damn it. Win percentage, 48.5, which puts them 19th. Yes, middle. Great. Made the playoffs three times, which puts them 20th at the low end of middle. But playoff wins, they've got five. They went to the Super Bowl, Joe. They're 10th at the bottom end of the top section. So, you know, when they made the playoffs, you know, they had quite a lot of success in the postseason and racked up the wins. But uh, the Jim Harbaugh area is over. So uh, what do you think? Dan, you live there. This is what I don't get about the 49ers. How did they become so bad so quickly? I mean, four years ago is not that long ago. This is such a, a drop in quality. Their quarterback that brought them to the Super Bowl is gone. The coach that brought them to the Super Bowl is gone. What happened so quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting thing. I, I think, I mean, this is getting technical. And we're talking about football here. But there are like windows that you have to hit. Now, every team, if they have a franchise quarterback that that's like a, a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, your window is 10 years because you just need a defense that can compete a little bit and you're okay. But for regular NFL teams, for the non-Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type teams or you know Aaron Rodgers, you need both your offense and your defense to be peaking at the right time to make a run and they... You know, what one could easily say, oh, it was just Jim Harbaugh. He was this great coach. And I think Jim Harbaugh, to a, a large degree, was responsible for a lot of it. Had Colin Kaepernick, but the defense was also quite exceptional during those years. And we're going to get to it later, but one of their star defensive players, Alden Smith, who's great, want this unbelievable player just falls off a cliff. And in the NFL, a couple of key players fall off a cliff or, or lose performance, and your team's terrible the next. I mean, Carolina went from being 15 and 1 to being 6 and 10. And, you know, for all we know, they're going to be in the playoffs this year. For all we know, they weren't. And they just went from a 15 and 1 team to a terrible team overnight. And that happened to the 49ers. And then it's sort of they fired the coach. And then all of a sudden you're rebuilding, which is the thing about the NFL. The best way to be good three years from now is sort of to be terrible right now, but with a young quarterback that you think has a shot at being good. And they've got a lot of young players on defense. But this is too much talking about football, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, they're bad next year. I mean, I think where I agree with you is that there is, I mean, we've talked about this with a few teams now. You'd almost rather have a few painful years to then get those high draft picks and get those good players in rather than sort of the sustained mediocrity of a lot of teams. I mean, even, frankly, the Chargers a little bit, uh, you know, where they're sort of stuck in this range of, eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine, six and 10. They're not ever getting a top five pick, um, but they're also not, so they're not improving either. Um, yeah. So you'd almost rather a team to say like, yeah, just be terrible for a few years. But then again, I'm signing up for a new team. I don't, you know, I don't want a few terrible years. Uh, and you get the flip side of the fact that like, They've had such historical eras in the past that it would be exciting if they won the Super Bowl, but it's not historic. So I'm going to say three out of ten. Three out of ten, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fair point. It's This is a team that obviously has achieved such highs. Number two, what do you think about the division? Well, we were just here two teams ago, and I will give my win percentages based on the stats I saw today. Seahawks, 70% chance of winning. Cardinals, 25%. Rams, 3%. The 49ers... Upgraded from that one percent all the way to two percent, Joe. Anybody's you know wide open. 
except for the Seahawks are definitely going to win. So, you know, you gave it a three and a half for the Rams. What do you think for the uh, 49ers? Yeah, I think even though the 49ers are in a um, tougher position or the toughest position in the division, then they're least likely to win it. At least I feel like at least up here, I don't know how it is up there. The rivalry with the 49ers is fairly strong between the Seahawks and 49ers. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to have that. So, yeah, let's just uh, stick with the three and a half. Three and a half. All right. Yeah. It was such a huge rivalry, you know, four years ago, but not anymore. Three. Does the head coach mean a minimum threshold of competence? The head coach is a first-year head coach, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan arrives in San Francisco having just coordinated the seventh highest scoring team in NFL history, an offensive boss since 2008. Shanahan has experience that belies his youth. He turns 37 in December. He's also had success with a wide variety of signal callers, introducing career years out of system quarterback Matt Schaub, dual threat RG3, rest in peace, and traditional pocket passer Matt Ryan. Shanahan is not one-dimensional, overseeing ground attacks as potent as his aerial assaults. He is going to handle his side of the ball, which is half the battle for many head coaches. The catch is a roster almost bereft of talent. The 49ers require a complete gut job. It's a kind of situation where even a Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells could fail. Shanahan was the right hire. The 49ers could be the wrong job. Mm. I don't agree with Roto World there. I think that they're going to give him time. I mean, they know it's a rebuild. It's like they're not expected to to compete in the first year. Yeah, I mean, Shanahan's totally a rising star. I mean, what was your feeling about him in his time with the Washington Football Club? Oh, I thought he was great. And obviously, he went to the Falcons and was unbelievable. I think anybody who's like down on the Falcons is down on them because they're like, Kyle Shanahan engineered that entire offense and he's right, gone. Right. So the Falcons are sure to regress. And I, I mean, I just disagree that they say it's a bad job. Like, this is a team where Brian Hoyer is the quarterback. Like, nobody is sitting there saying, oh, this team's going to be great. They're, they're doing the exact right thing. They drafted a, a bunch of young defensive players. And they, you want to suck two years in a row to get more draft picks next year, stock the team, and then uh, be good in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on what type of – how long a leash the ownership is going to give him and, frankly, how long a leash the San Francisco media will give him. I mean, you could say that whoever the sort of like chum that they throw out to the Sharks as the next Jets head coach – it's like that's a terrible job. Even though everyone knows the Jets are going to be bad, yeah. The New York media does not suffer a, a bad coach for long. But it's like the San Francisco 49ers are Brian Hoyer throwing to Pierre Garcon. I mean, what can you possibly expect? My point is just that like as long as that's the expectation and the NFL is different than the NBA, it's different than baseball in that like in baseball, your team will freely admit at the trade deadline Oh yeah, we're gonna suck. The, like we're we're terrible. We're trading away every good player we have for prospects in the future. The NBA teams will literally try and lose for a better draft pick. The NFL does not have that culture of teams. Teams will never admit that they're bad. The 49ers know they are are bad. <laughs> I don't think we're disagreeing. I'm just saying he needs to have that leeway, and I hope he does. I think that. Um, Normally, I've given new head coaches a five out of ten. I think that Kyle 
Shanahan did such a good job with the Falcons offense uh, that I think it should be a 7 out of 10. Love the score. I think it's fair. Do the players get in trouble with the law? Well, Joe, over the past five years, they are number one on the crime blotter with 13 incidents. Wow. In no small part because of this player, who's the player highlight, Alden Smith. Alden Smith appears on the crime blotter five separate times. He was the seventh pick in the 2011 draft. Alden Smith, unbelievable rookie season, unbelievable second season, makes the Pro Bowl 2012, first team All-Pro 2012, NFC Defensive Player of the Year in 2012, unbelievable. This guy comes off the end, he's unstoppable, you know, accumulating sacks at this unbelievable rate, but can't stop getting in trouble off the field. In January of 2012, he's arrested for a DUI in Miami Beach. You know, goes into some diversion program. In September of 2013, he's arrested for a DUI. Drunk driving and marijuana possession after he crashes his pickup truck in San Jose. Gets community service and probation. One month later in 2013, charged in a gun case that stems from a house party in which he was stabbed... And he gets felony counts of illegal possession of an assault weapon, gets more probation, more community service. In April of 2014, he's arrested for disorderly conduct after making a false bomb threat at LAX airport after being selected (laughs) for a secondary screening. What? Yeah, not a good move. Not a good move. Oh, my God. so So at this point, he's suspended by the league for nine games. But note, he is still on the 49ers at this point. Nothing has been done. And in um, in August of 2015, he gets another DUI when he's charged with uh, hitting a parked vehicle while drunk in Santa Clara, California. Then finally the next day, he is dropped by the 49ers. So Alvin Smith, his five things on the crime butter itself would be more than some teams um but you know the, he he was so great when he first when he was young in his career and they they kept trying to get him back i mean they were he was like going, going to alcohol rehab was doing everything like alden smith was news in san francisco how's alden smith doing they just wanted to get him back on the field just wanted to get him back to the unbelievable wrecking crew he was at the early stage of his career but they never did it they tried and, you know, at, at some point they said enough is enough, but they certainly were not particularly proactive about it. Yeah, it took them a while, huh? Hmm. All right. That's not great. Uh, let's say three and a half out of ten. Three and a half out of ten. This is a pretty generous score based on all the information I've told you. Well, at least, it, well, whatever. Keep moving on. Number five. Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Rob, I'm guessing, likes the 49ers. I think he's got them in the top 10. Rob puts them dead in the middle, 15th. Isn't one of the teams earlier was 15th? Uh, no, that was that was 16th. That was right next to it. Oh. By the way, I think Rob. I think Rob's new approach to try and be likable to our fans is he's just gone ultra political in his uh, comments about the teams. So Rob says, the 49ers are so bad, I have almost forgiven them for knocking the Packers out of the playoffs twice before. Not yet, but close. Kaepernick has been forgiven. 
mad, mad props for taking action, even though it has jeopardized his career. I'm glad to see the protests continue, blah, blah, blah. Then he just talks about the protests. Okay. Not really having to do with the 49ers anymore because Colin Kaepernick is not on the 49ers anymore. Um, so middle of the road score. So I'll say same for me. Five out of 10. Five out of 10. All right. Number six. Is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game? Well, I'm, I've been a little unfair here because I've rated all the great things to go to in San Francisco, but the stadium is not in San Francisco. And in fact, it's not anywhere close to San Francisco. It is in Santa Clara, California, which I have driven to in the past. It is over a one-hour drive with no traffic whatsoever. With traffic, it could be anywhere from like a one-and-a-half-hour to two-hour drive from San Francisco, which is horrible. It's just sort of uh, it, it's sort of insane logic to me. I mean, you do all this work to get a stadium and have a team in a major U.S. market, and then you put them pr- pretty inconveniently far away from that market. I mean, it, it seems sort of like nuts to me. I mean, like the Patriots play in Foxborough, which is not close to Boston. It's like a 45-minute drive. It's actually, I think, technically closer to Providence than it is to Boston. But they've played in Foxborough for a long time, and they're also the New England Patriots, so it kind of makes more sense. If they were the Bay Area 49ers, you could maybe say that that made sense, but it seems weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I, I mean, they obviously picked it because land anywhere else is, is way too expensive. And Candlestick Park, a place I've been to, not to see a game, but I've just been to, you know, it was uh, maybe a mile south of San Francisco. It was great, but, um, you know, they just couldn't, you know, build the, the kind of stadium they wanted to build there. And they couldn't get the kind of deal they wanted to get. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I know it seems nuts to me, but whatever. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through all the places in San Francisco. No, no speed. Not not speeding through my town's things. So I I'm, I've got all the things here. One through fourteen. Number one, Alcatraz Island. Joe, have you ever been to Alcatraz Island? I have. Have you? No, I haven't. But I've sailed <laughs> around it many many times including with your parents before good time number two the golden gate bridge great place walked mm-hmm. over it driven over it countless times number three city tours i don't know what that is but that's stupid number four san francisco bay joanna boat i would love to take you on my boat sometime you could really see the bay like your parents have number five at&t park oh i go there all the time great saw my nationals play saw a mm-hmm. playoff game last year saw the the Giants beat the Cubs in 14 innings. Fuck the Cubs. Number six, Golden Gate Park. Oh, I'll go there all the time. Number seven, Land's End. That was one of the first dates I ever went on with my current girlfriend. What is that? Uh, it's just like a, like at the n- northwestern corner of San Francisco. They're kind of like a walking trail and like cliffs and stuff where you can look out into the Pacific Ocean and the San Francisco Bay and the Golden Gate Bridge. It's, it's a nice place. It's a golf right. course near there too if you want to play golf. Number eight, walking tours. Take a walking tour every day. Number nine, Palace of Fine Arts Theater. Ooh, that sounds nice. Number 10, the Exploratorium. Ooh, it is great. We went there, Dan. Remember? Did we? With the kids. And we did that earthquake thing. The earthquake simulation. Remember that? That's right. <laughs> I just remember you, she, your oldest daughter ran headfirst into a wooden beam and just got a, a bump on her head to a size that I thought... <laughs> was so concerning right. <laughs> and she's crying and screaming 
And then two minutes later, she's just fine. And she's just got a yeah. massive bump on her head, just doesn't care at all. Yeah. And remember, they also had that decomposing rat that you could watch, and she watched it for like 40. And like, we had to she like beg her it. to leave. Like, stop. She loved it. Stop watching that decaying rat. But she was so interested in it. Yeah. But the earthquake simulator, that's right. She would not go in the earthquake thing. She was too afraid. She wouldn't go. Miriam went. I know. I know. Your middle daughter went, and it actually. That earthquake simulator was boy, awesome. When they when they did the like final earthquake, you, you felt it like that. It would not be fun to be in an earthquake that massive. No, no. Uh, and remember, they said that that the actual one was like five times longer than what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it for like ten seconds. They were like the actual one was over a minute, and yeah. you know you're actually in a real your real house, and your shit is like falling all over you. Yeah, because I so I cool. felt a that couple earthquakes. But uh, they've all been quite minor. Uh, you know, maybe a little stuff wobbling around, but, you know, nothing crazy. All right, number 11, Twin Peaks. Oh, it's great, Joe. Number 12, Cable Car. Yeah, overrated. I wouldn't recommend it. 13, California Academy of Sciences. I know you've been there, too. Have I? Yeah, we went there. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, it was great. Number 14, great. Walt Disney it. Family Museum. Didn't know that existed, but it sounds great. What a place to visit, Joe. And if you come to San Francisco, if you pick the 49ers as your team, not only will you be the rival of your hometown team, but I'll go to a game with you, Joe. It's an enticing offer. I mean, I have Karsten with the with the Cowboys. You're going to come with me to a 49ers game. It'd be pretty nice. I'll give and you free housing also, and I'll drive you say, down there. How many of these cities can I say that I have a place to stay every time I go? Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. Okay. I like San Francisco. I would say San Francisco would be a 9 out of 10, but I do agree they do need to lose some points for putting the stadium in such a fucking inconvenient location. So let's say 7.5. I, I think that's fair. They absolutely should. Because from baseball perspective, AT&T Park, and I think one of the reasons it's, it's considered around baseball to be one of the best parks is just because. And, and you know, Petco is, I think, quite similar. Yeah, it's a really... Dan, why haven't we gone to a baseball game in the many times I've been to San Francisco? Yeah, we should. All I right, mean, let's do I it. go to baseball games all the time. It's great. Especially now since the Giants are terrible, so the prices are better. Number seven, does a team have player or players you could put on your fantasy team? So, Joe, in addition to not being drafted yet in the league, according to my simulations, I believe they're a bottom three team, if not the second to worst team. And why? Well, their quarterback, Brian Hoyer, in the average league goes for $0 and is drafted in 0% of leagues. Their wide receiver, Pierre Garçon, former Washington Football Club receiver, whom I really love. He was great, you know, went off as a free agent. He goes for $8 and is drafted in 88% of leagues. You know, possession receiver, he's good, got a ton of catches, but the problem is Brian Hoyer is throwing him the ball in a terrible offense, so... His fantasy value has gone to shit. Their running back, Carlos Hyde, only value on the entire team. His average draft value is $16, and he is drafted in 100% of leagues. The defense is drafted in 0% of leagues. I mean, this is a joke. That's not good. Uh, what, What did I give the Jets? You gave the Jets a 2 out of 10. Yeah, so that seems about right for the 49ers, a 2 out of 10. Uh, yeah, let's say 2 out of 10. Let's go for two that. 2 out of 10. One player who's draftable. All right. Yep, one player. And if I were to for the 49ers, I would certainly draft that one player. 
Okay, number eight. Is the owner a monster? All right, Joe. Oof. Got to go story time here. Fortunately. This is supposed to be concise, but it's so hard. Okay. Let's go back in time to Edward De Bartolo Sr., a shopping mall tycoon. This man, sort of in the post-World War II era, helped create the shopping mall. And when he died in 1994, the Edward J. De Bartolo Corporation was the undisputed leader in the shopping mall industry, owning one-tenth of all mall space in the United States. This guy is a tycoon in the shopping mall, Forbes 400 guy when it first came out. A lot of money in the shopping mall. Thankfully for him, he passed away before he saw the decline of the shopping mall. But, you know, as far as he was going, it was everything was going well. What did he do with the shopping mall tycoon money? Well, he purchased the San Francisco 49ers in 1977, and he gave the team to his son. What a gift. Edward DiPartolo Jr., nicknamed Eddie. Eddie DiPartolo Jr. started off hot. He came in and wanted to learn about players, wanted to learn about how to run a team. And what can you say? He basically did everything amazingly. He helps create the 49ers dynasty, which nets five Super Bowls in his first 14 years, which is a record total for a single owner, although that might be broken by the Patriots now. I don't know. He's beloved, Eddie DiPartolo. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice said he was the most caring owner in the NFL and referred to him lovingly as Mr. D. According to Steve Young, DiBartolo's family approach to running the team changed the landscape of the NFL. Under it, the players were what mattered, and that changed the face of the sport. Previously, players were just considered chattel. What I see in the league today are owners who have made their players partners. That changes the nature of the NFL. Part of, you know, that was mostly what Steve Young said. Okay, this guy's amazing. Eddie DiBartolo. What could go wrong? Nothing. What, what could go wrong? Well, in 1998... Eddie DiPartolo, you know, who has interests outside of football as well. He's a businessman. He wanted to get a license to open a riverboat casino in Louisiana. Well, the governor at the time said, I can get you that license. It'll just cost you a cool 400 grand. That does not that does not sound like it's a legal transaction. Yeah, well, Eddie's not the one who asked for it, but Eddie paid the bribe. And unfortunately for him... By paying the bribe, uh, this this guy, Eddie Edwards, Democrat, by the way, those corrupt Democrats, Joe, was uh, c- caught in some sort of sting operation. I don't know if it was this transaction or other transactions. And everybody gets busted. And, of course, Eddie DiPartolo himself did nothing wrong other than paying the bribe. The, you know, the governor asked for the bribe, but he's busted for... Failing to report a felony, he gets a $1 million fine, two years of probation in exchange for testifying against Edwin Edwards. And the NFL additionally suspends him for a year from running the team. In steps his sister, Denise DiBartolo. So she and her husband, well, Denise DiBartolo York. So she and her husband, cancer researcher John York, take over the team, and run it for a few years. Uh, After Eddie Bartolo's probation is over or suspension is over and can come back to the team, he sort of negotiates among his family and decides 
that he is going to, you know, operate other parts of the family business and he's not going to come back running the team. Wow. Well, Denise DiBartolo York and her husband, John York, they don't really want a football team. That's not what they do. So, a few years later in 2008, they hired their son. And earlier, they hired their son to be part of the team. But in 2008, they make their son, Jed York, the CEO and president of the San Francisco 49ers. Jed York is in his late 30s. All we know is he was born in 1980. So he's either 37 or 36, Joe. And Mm. yeah, he's the CEO of the team. So Jed York, well... He has some good starts. He he gets uh, to the team in 2008, hires Jim Harbaugh. You know, it's not the first thing he does, but he's, he's sort of feeling around. 49ers are great. Oh, my God. You know, Jim Harbaugh, they go to the Super Bowl. They almost win the Super Bowl. But in 2014, he fires Jim Harbaugh. And there are lots of rumors that there was a lot of tension between York and Harbaugh. You know, Jim Harbaugh, your, your man, the guy you gave the uh, – you, you made a milkshake for. Yeah, my milkshake buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it was reported that York and Harbaugh had a clash in the personality department. An example story is when York supposedly walked into a meeting that Harbaugh was holding with the players. When Harbaugh noticed York walked into the meeting, he allegedly told York the meeting was for, quote, men only. Oh, man. Yeah. That is rough. That is not a good, good look, Jim Harbaugh. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, well... Jed York won the battle and hired Harbaugh, but maybe you could say Harbaugh won the war because the 49ers have been terrible ever since Jim Harbaugh is gone. And I was wondering, well, what do the 49ers fans think of Jed York? And so I found a, a site, a 49ers site, where they actually did an approval poll, which, by the way, I think is every team should have. Like, there should be like a Gallup poll for every football team uh, on like what they think of the the owner and the people running the team but his approval poll had him at about a six and a half out of ten so still held in positive esteem but not you know not as high as it was i'm sure three or four years ago it's not bad though yeah yeah presumably so in like the meetings in the nfl his mother and father still sort of are the official voice of the team but they don't run the team he runs the team and he, I mean, so he he is in that CEO role, and they're still in like the owner role, but clearly that might Correct. change. Yeah. So he used to be the president and CEO. Uh, he hired somebody else to be the president, so now he's just a CEO. But one can imagine uh, when the team passes hands, uh, it it will go to him. He will be the owner of the team. Right. Right. Six and a half out of ten. I mean, I imagine there are probably a lot of owners who are much more disliked than that you know i feel like a you know like like a little bit i gotta stick up for my man jim harbaugh but you could do a lot worse with owners don't you think oh you could obviously do worse and you know the thing about jim harbaugh though is he's an insane maniac right 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 (laughs) no i agree with that all right let's say a uh six and a half out of ten let's do the same six and a half yeah just go with the people all right number nine rate the uniform and the logo Hey, they're the 49ers. They began playing the All-America Football Conference, the AAFC, in 1946. And, of course, were named after settlers who ventured 
to the San Francisco area during the gold rush of 1849. What do you think, Joe? I mean, in terms of historical badasses, the 49er would probably get his ass kicked by a Raider, a Buccaneer, a Viking, for sure a Viking. The the 49er is really just like an entrepreneur. Like They're just just a normal person. Just a guy that was like, let's... Or not even a guy, a guy or a yeah, lady. Just a person who, who like, had few attachments who was like, yeah. I'm going to go west into uncharted terrain. Right. Who in 1948 said, we should go west to California and then said, actually, hold on. Let's wait till next year. <laughs> That's what a 49er is. Yeah. They couldn't. They, they were behind the curve slightly. <laughs> um, Literally hoping to strike it rich by the definition of strike it rich. Like, I guess filter it rich. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not well, I mean, but they also use those pickaxes to do some stuff. Yeah, I feel like there was some striking too. Yeah, for sure. But the logo's fine, the uniform's fine. It's like very historic looking. Their color rush is all black, which you know I like. Let's say four and a half out of ten. <sighs> all right. Whatever. Number ten, do they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching? Oh my god, Joe, talk about consistency in 2015 by dvoa they had the 27th best defense and the 28th best offense fast forward to 2016 they had the 28th best defense and yes exactly the same the 28th best offense so uh, gotta be the most consistent team in the nfl their dvoa changed only one ranking their defense became one slot worse and uh, this team is is beyond mediocre. They're they're just terrible, and they were terrible for two consecutive seasons. They're going to be terrible again, but maybe they're going to start turning the corner. Maybe next year, but uh, there's there's nothing to enjoy about this team unless you like watching new young talent start to make big mistakes but then like one every five times makes like an amazing play and you're like that guy has potential yeah i mean i think that if you want to look at the historical side of things the 49ers were certainly known for like pioneering the west coast offense which the chargers employed for a long time too so it's certainly a style of play i'm familiar with but i don't it doesn't seem like they've that that style has followed them throughout the different eras of the team. Whatever Kyle Shan has cooked up, he's not going to be able to produce the same things he could do with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones out of Brian Hoyer and Pierre Garçon. So there's just nothing he can do. But if he's a coach three years from now, you know, who knows? Like, who knows if, if they get a young quarterback and some young wide receiver talent, who knows what they can develop. But yeah. Uh, this is not going to be a good score for them. Let's say one and a half out of 10. Oof. You just don't know. You don't know where they're going to end up. And 11, what's interesting about this fan base? I don't know. You know, I live here. A lot of people are 49ers fans, but I would say, you know, in the, in the area, Warriors, like, mania is huge. Giants mania is huge just because these are teams that have i mean the warriors won the championship a few months ago the giants have won three world series this decade i see warriors caps warriors shirts giants caps giants shirts much more often than i see 49ers stuff um but 
you know, I, I think if the 49ers were good, you'd see a lot of, I mean, the San Francisco has just had so many successful teams, but I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't say San Francisco is like a 49ers town. I think San Francisco, they're pretty excited about, you know, all their teams, but you know, I think they still really like their football team. Do you think, I mean, if you had to rank, not taking into account the relative quality of the teams at this moment, is it mostly a, a baseball town, football town, or, or basketball town? It's so hard to say just because the basketball team is so good. The baseball team has been really good, and the you know the baseball stadium's right in the middle of town. And the football stadium is so far away, and they've been so bad for a while. But, you know, I went to a Super Bowl party when they were in the Super Bowl, and I have been to bars and stuff when the Warriors were in the playoffs and when the Giants are in the playoffs. I've seen more Warriors and Giants fans than I have 49ers fans. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also interesting that for a team as historic as this, you can't think of anything. There's no, there's no, okay, you compare the the 49ers to the Raiders, and the Raiders have such a distinctive fan culture, such a distinctive fan base. You can tell so much about the team and the history just from their fan base. And that just really is not true for the 49ers. And I don't really know why that is, but... um I think, yeah, I think this is a two out of 10. Two out of 10. Wow. Yeah, it's probably low, but I don't know. You know, just looking at out of in that category of the last four teams, of the last five teams, you've given four of them exactly two out of 10, Joe. <laughs> You're just calling balls and strikes. The Jaguar fan is a two, and the 49er fan is also a two. <laughs> This isn't really about the fan. This is about the fan culture. I mean, what what is there? I mean, I guess the 49ers have more of a national following, but I don't really see why. Yeah, but it's low. I mean, you see why, because they were have one of the greatest dynasties in history. Right, right, right. So if you love Joe Montana or Steve Young, you might be a fan, but it's not like you're signing up for a specific cultural experience as a fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get something when you go to see a 49ers game that I think if you go to a Warriors game, you're going to get an atmosphere. Like the Warriors game is like one of the loudest stadiums. Right. You know, right. the Giants right. Park is great. You're not getting anything going to fucking Santa Clara, Levi Stadium. Although, Joe, the final of the uh, Guinness International whatever cup was held there. Were you following the uh, International Champions Cup? <laughs> no, no. I don't know why that's a thing. It's stupid. Number 12, Joe, rate the drink. How are you enjoying that Goldschlager? Dan, I don't like Goldschlager. However, <laughs> it's the drink that is most fitting of the team that it represents. I have to give a point for that. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. All right, Joe. This is brutal. You, the San Francisco 49ers end up at 51, which is the second that's, worst. That's not bad. Okay. Okay. That's not great. 
I mean, uh, the Browns are down at 38 and a half, so there's a sizable lead, but they're below the Colts at 51 and a half. They're below the Jaguars at 53 and a half. They're below the Rams at 55. Really, I I, I felt like the quadruple header was just too much for you, Joe. We, we got too tired. It was too much, and you took it out on the 49ers. Dan, it's possible. It's possible, but I will say... Well, maybe the score is low. I think the fact that the 49ers are not moving on is fair. Don't you think? Like, let's say that maybe... Absolutely. Let's, let's Absolutely. just say, hypothetically, that it easily could have been a 63. They still wouldn't be moving yeah. on. No, I right? agree. I, I mean, if yeah. I were picking a team to root for, this is just this is a team that you're going to invest two or three years in. And for what? I mean... They're, they're better teams. They're more exciting teams to pick, I would say. But but I do think that, you know, if if the process that I were going for were, if one of my categories were who's a team that I can put in some time now to invest so I'm like clearly not jumping on a bandwagon, but yeah. has a good future, has a base of like, you know, this is what I will say for the 49ers, solid ownership, solid management, solid coach. And they're kind of building that base up. If, if, if my criteria were who's going to be good in three years, I think the 49ers would have done pretty darn well, but that's, you know, not the criteria we're using. So, so be it. Yeah. And you know what the thing is though, they've won five championships in the past and the Warriors are going to win the championship every year for the next five years, and the Giants have won three this decade. It there's nothing San Francisco could do to compete with other teams that, if they won a Super Bowl, would mean so much to the fans. Because for better or for worse, I mean, the fans of the 49ers are obviously going to be fans of the Giants, obviously going to be fans of the Warriors, and it wouldn't be the same for them winning a Super Bowl as compared to you know some of the other teams we've talked about. Even the Raiders a little bit, although I guess that's unfair. There's somebody like the Chiefs who who you passed on. Oh, somebody like the Bills. Oh, wow. A lot of teams. Anyways, Joe, wow. Four episodes. It's too many. Too many. But fortunately, this is it. Next week, we are going to do a triple header, though. We're going to do the first episode where we talk about the playoff format itself so if you've listened this long in this episode kudos you're a super fan if you want to go to the super fan lounge go to joepickspod.com slash secret lounge you've earned it what we want is if you have your ideas for how the playoffs should run any ideas for how we should help joe pick between the teams send it to us because what is going to happen is next week we're going to record a triple header the first podcast will be Joe and I discussing all of your suggestions for the playoffs. We are going to pick a playoff format. Then we're going to finish our last two teams, the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions. And that's the best for last. Obviously, I can't believe we've done 30 teams, Joe. This is insane. I know we've actually done this. It's insane that we're going to do all 32. So that's it. We're going to do. We're going to figure out the playoff format. We're going to finish off the last two teams. We're going to put them in. Then presumably we'll figure it out exactly how the things are going to roll. Then 
I am going to travel to Seattle. I've already booked my flight. And Joe and I are going to record the episode where he goes from 16 teams to two teams. And then later that week, we'll go from two teams and Joe will pick his team. Get your feedback in for the playoffs. Get your feedback in for the Miami Dolphins. Get your feedback in for the Detroit Lions. And that's it, Joe. Any any parting words after this quadruple header? What I will say about the quadruple header, Dan, I mean, I just want to acknowledge this because you made a point earlier. You said that our fan poll was the least voted on poll, which you you impugned my question, but I I don't believe that's a problem. Something we haven't talked about is as grueling as this last couple week schedule is for us, you know, we're actually we're requiring a lot of our fans to listen to. We're releasing four podcasts in a week. You know, people people got shit to do, Dan. So, um, you know, I appreciate people listening, the feedback. I appreciate the people who are along for the ride and are taking the time to get get stuff into us. Me too, Joe. I love the fans. They're all great. I mean, obviously, shout out to Superfan Bez, Superfan Riley the Diabetic, and Superfan Sean, who Big did thank you. Yep. the research for yep. the three teams. They're great. I mean, should we solicit reviews, Joe, when it doesn't matter anymore? We haven't gotten a review in like two months. We prefer commentary to reviews. But if anyone wants to give a positive review to Sean, Bez, or Riley, send it in, review it on iTunes or whatever, or just email it to us because they did a great job. It's not called iTunes anymore, Joe. It's called Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you got that email. <laughs> no, I did not. Wow. That's that's a huge change. Everything's different. Okay. That's it. <laughs> what a quadruple header. What a what a, what night, a week. Dan. What a what a series this has been. And that's it, folks. Have a good time. Thank you for listening. God bless. <laughs> good night, Dan.